We're just going to look for a few minutes as almost a, a kind of inspiration, a, a call to worship, a lead into worship um, today at the, the journey of the Magi. And I want us to th- just think for a few, few minutes about that. I'm going to read the passage. It's in Matthew 2, starting in verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, born King of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Sorry, one sec. Angela, I'm pinging a bit down here. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. Well, this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, uh, the, the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let me just pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word, for every part of it. And we ask, Lord, now by your spirit, would you speak into our hearts and our our lives as we think together about these familiar words, the story we've heard so many times, but... Lord, what do you want to say to us this morning? To give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying, Lord. We're listening. We're listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of the key passages in, in this church is from Isaiah. We think about those verses, those first three verses, but it's the whole chapter really, but those first three verses from Isaiah quite a lot, don't we? Arise, shine, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord uh, rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. And it says this in verse 3. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your dawn. So since about mid-September, maybe into October, the media and social media have been vying for our attention to get us to focus on what they want to focus on at Christmas, haven't they? 
They want us to spend our money on what they want us to spend our money on. They want to attract us and draw us. And that is what they've been doing pretty much since the beginning of September. Has anyone else noticed that? Does it, every year it seems to just get a little bit earlier. <laughs> you know, May, and they've put the Christmas... <laughs> no. <laughs> Sainsbury's, isn't it? What is it, Sainsbury's? It's just suddenly... A, a, it's the 1st of November, isn't it? Full of Christmas decorations and... Anyway, I get a bit bar humbug at that point. <laughs> and the team here would testify to that. This passage tells us that the light that truly attracts us has arisen. The light that truly attracts us has arisen, and that is what we're celebrating at Christmas. This light will draw nations to and it says this light will draw kings. I, I'm, not, I'm not great with the royals, I have to say. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things we have to <laughs> at times endure. But I dig the queen, don't you? Because she speaks of Jesus as her Lord and Saviour and the power of forgiveness. She's been drawn to that light and we've been blessed to have a monarch who loves the Lord as she does. And it, you know, when you read that, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? The kings to the brightness of your door. So we, we, we're grateful <laughs> to God for our queen and we need to pray for what comes next. <laughs> So, this passage, I've just read that as a sort of a, an introduction to our reading today. Because what we see in our reading today is wise men. We like to call them kings, don't we? But it doesn't say they're kings. But they were attracted to the light. That's what I want us to think about just for a few minutes today. I've got three headings to help us look at this. The first heading is, what about their identity? Second heading is about what was their inquiry? And the third heading is, what was their discovery? Okay, so the first thing is about their identity. Now, if we stick to the Bible, <laughs> we don't know a huge amount about these. I was going to say, I, I wrote this down this morning, wise men. But actually, in my Bible, it doesn't say they're blokes. I think chances are they probably were, but it calls them magi. Just, I don't know, I haven't looked it up, I just noticed that this morning. As I called them wise men, I thought, no, maybe they're not men. <laughs> anyway, they probably are, but anyway. So they, they were called magi, wise men. They were probably astronomers. They studied the stars, but they were more than that because there was a, a kind of a theological, there was a mystical edge to these guys. They believed that there were cosmic powers shaping both the stars and history. I was thinking about that. They could be called unbelieving believers. <laughs> unbelieving believers. Spiritual people. Something going on out there. But this 
was kind of significant to them. What they were doing was important and, and serious, wasn't it? But they would study um, the, the sort of the, the, the ancient texts and writings. So they had an understanding of kind of the, the, the history. And there's a suggestion that they had um, kind of been influenced. They were coming from Babylon and they'd be influenced by some of the Jewish kind of writers there. So they would have come across some of the um, prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. And it's a suggestion that maybe they would have read some of those. You wait way back in, um, I can't remember, Steve put this on the, a comment. Because this, this passage today is part of our reading plan, which I didn't know that actually. I picked this earlier in the week. I hadn't realized. But so, so they probably would have some understanding of the kind of the, the ancient texts. So that, that's pretty much all we know about them. And if there's anything else we kind of read into it, it's because we've looked at it on a Christmas card or, or you know, sort of some sort of scene that's been presented about this. But, but all we really know is that, is that probably sort of scientists and spiritual, and they would have an understanding of the ancient text. So when they saw this star in the sky something mega was happening. So that's the first thing about their identity. The second thing is about their inquiry. Now, I've said this already. They must have been really serious. They must have believed that something important was happening when this star appeared. Their, their studies of the ancient texts and scriptures would have suggested that something was going down and they wanted to see it or experience it or be part of it. So now... Where they came from, we don't know. But there again, as I've said, some suggestion that they came from Babylon or Persia. You know, so, but if they were from Persia, or if they were from Babylon, sorry, 800 miles. 800 miles to see this thing that God had done. Again, I'm, now I'm going into Christmas card theology now. Um, if they had camels, <laughs> they could possibly do 20 miles days to see this thing that God has done. How long did it take you to get here this morning, Bon? <laughs> About the same time as it took me. <laughs> They were serious. They were serious. Something was going down. And they wanted to see it. They wanted to be part of it. So they do this 800-mile journey, possibly. I think it probably was at least 800 miles. But when they rock up, they go to the wrong place, don't they? It says they go to Jerusalem. But Jesus was in Bethlehem. Not very far. They go to the wrong place. They go to the place that they would imagine a king to be born, don't they? And, and you can imagine them going into the city saying, what's going down? Have you heard about the king being born? And people would have just gone, what? So they would have been in, 
in the know, <laughs> more than some of those people in the city. So they end up in the palace. And I think it's quite ironic that these, these sages or wise men, whatever, end up in the palace. Herod calls in the people who jolly well should know. And they say, oh yeah, yeah, the king's going to come and he's going to come in Bethlehem. They inform them about where this is happening. But then they don't make the journey. There's an irony here, isn't there? These guys do 800 miles. The Jewish leaders won't do six. Because they love their religion too much. They're caught up in their fear-based, rules-based, self kind of whatever, prioritize, you know, they wouldn't make the six-mile journey to go and worship the king. I was thinking this morning, what happened if they had? That's quite a key moment, isn't it, that? That's quite a key moment in the, the history of our world. So you've got the, the, the Jewish leaders who are saying, yeah, the baby's there, but... <laughs> and then you've got Herod saying, you know, oh, you go and worship, then tell me, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll go and worship. We know, read on, you know, the most unchristmassy section of the Christmas narrative at the beginning of chapter 3. No, the next section in chapter 2, the escape to Egypt. You know, you know what Herod wants to do. I was a little bit Further on, I I didn't look this up, but I think it's in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus says this to the disciples when they sat on a boat one day. Beware the yeast of Herod and the Pharisees. And that makes sense, doesn't it? The religious spirit and the political spirit. Beware both of these because they will always seek to destroy and distract and disrupt what God is doing. So, that's their inquiry. They want to see what God is doing. Then what did they discover? Was it? It wasn't what expected. You know, they went to Jerusalem, they had a, a king in a palace. You know, by this stage, it was quite, well, it, it says they went to a house. Because the, the, the problem is sometimes is that we, what we do is we, we base our theology on a Christmas card <laughs> or a nativity where the kings, you know, it's like, well, the shepherds are at 5.30, <laughs> And the shepherds come at, at nine. Th- no, it, it, we don't know how long it was. They weren't in the stable. 
They were probably, well, they were in a house. We don't know what house it was, but, but anyway, this event, this, this moment comes when we don't know how long. But it wasn't on that night. <laughs> but what, what then, you know, what do we know? What do we know? Well, we know that they got there and we have this beautiful picture of what worship is. Just meditate on this. Think about what the kings, what the wise men did. I love the fact that it says they bow down. They bow down and worship. I did this recently. I was reading through the Gospels. And it's just like person after person would come to Jesus and the first thing they would do is this. They would just get on their knees. Because they knew who was before them. They just got on their knees. They bowed down. And what I believe is that when we bow down in worship, he can be lifted up. Because when we bow down in worship, it's less of us, isn't it? We're saying it's all about you. I think we need to learn to just humble ourselves before him. Recognizing who he is, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Savior, Master. We just bow down before him. And as we bow down, we then lift him up in worship. And that's what these, these magi did. They bowed down so he can be lifted up. We're going to do that in a moment. We're just going to praise him and worship him because that's the fitting response, isn't it? But then they did something else. They bought gifts they bought gold, frankincense, and myrrh about these gifts. It spoke of his identity, and it spoke of his destiny. Gold pointing to kin kingship, frankincense pointing to his deity, and then myrrh pointing to the nature of his death. I heard this or read this this week. It says this. The wise men came carrying the treasures of earth in their hands. Did they leave carrying the treasures of heaven in their hearts? We don't know. I would say yes. Because they were so stirred. So it caused them to worship what they saw. They'd gone on this long journey and they were there. There was something going on, something going down. So they came carrying the treasures of earth in their hands. Did they leave with the treasures of heaven in their hearts? I believe they did. Last week I spoke <clears throat> about the church being the body of Christ. Well, the week before, it was John last week, wasn't it? But the week before that, I talked about the church being the body of Christ. And I was reflecting on that in the light of, of this. But I was also reflecting it, uh, all this going on in my head. Um, that the, this passage, the way that they were attracted 
And I was thinking about that in the light of what happened in this building, in this place, in Etrolanda last weekend and on into this week. And I wanted to just reflect on that a little bit with you because I want this to look like something. Because last weekend, something just, it, it was just wave after wave of quite phenomenal things happening as we as a church sought to be the body of Christ. So Friday, we had 40 people from our toddler group and there was about 30 guests and, 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 and helpers and a number of you were there and we just served our toddler parents, mainly mums. I wasn't excellent very well, but I was gutted to miss it. But we just served. And what happened was, is we gave opportunity for people to talk. And, it, and people were sharing stories about the importance of this place, particularly in the midst of a pandemic where they were isolated and they were alone. Some of them had, lots of them had babies in the midst of this. And what we had is story after story of people saying, this place was my lifeline. This is where I, 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 I had support and, and, and love. And, you know, th those of you who, who, who were there, I'm looking at the back, you know, people just sharing, weren't they, about how important this place was to them. Then on Saturday at, at Trelanda, again, I wasn't there because I went very well, but uh, people coming from that community that in many respects has been talked down. But for, what, 12 years, 10 years? We've just been loving on that community in Jesus' name. And people come. And when we couldn't meet during the lockdown, they were gutted. I'd meet them in the streets. I'd say, Matt, when are we meeting? Because we miss you and we miss one another. So there's this sense of community. So there's the, the care that we heard about on Friday, the community that people long for on Saturday. Sunday afternoon, there was 170 people. Or, you know, it didn't look like that because they were spread out throughout the whole building. But we had families coming. A whole team of people serving. But why did they come? I think they wanted some joy. Some joy. Something was attracting them to this place. Tuesday evening, we had our Alpha course. And we were asking the question, how am I filled? How, do I, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? And we saw God touching people's lives in this place. And you think about the Alpha Course. Something stirring inside of people to say, I want to know who this Jesus is. And people praying prayers of commitment, didn't we, on, on, on Tuesday night. Right here. Something attracting and drawing people into this place because there's something about this Jesus that I want to know. That will take me out on a Tuesday evening. Get a babysitter, not to go out and have a meal. Get a babysitter because I want to find out about Jesus. Took them on that journey. 
And then Wednesday, oh, Wednesday was just precious sounds playing. Now, Silk Sounds is a, a little group that meet here on a Monday afternoon and they play music. And they, they, I can't go into details, but they come from a place where it's just people with life issues, significant life issues, things that hold people in a place of darkness and difficulty. And, and, and Barney and Paul and Michael were here and Chris was here. And um, these guys, just a few of them in the band, playing... Well, it, the first song they sang was, Oh, Holy Night. And as soon as they started singing, I tell you, the tears just started flowing down my face. Looking at these guys who are just, I'll be honest, just broken by life. Singing, long lay the earth in sin and error pining. What's the next line? Somebody tell me. I thought I should have written it down. Sorry. Say again. Until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And, and this, this guy sat just here, a twinkle in his eye. I was just bowled over. Why were they here? I don't know. Freedom? Release? Now, no doubt all the people I've talked about were here for varying reasons. I've, I've no doubt about that. But I liked about what took those magi 800 miles to discover brought those guys into this place. Something is going down. Something about this needs exploration. I need to know more. Do you know, our prayer for each and every one of them is that hope we had for the Magi. That they would meet the Lord Jesus and they would be left changed. And they would go away with the treasure of heaven in their hearts. Well, I, I, if I'm allowed to, am I allowed to be proud? Pleased, that's probably a better word. How pleased I was that we as a church reflected the ministry of Jesus as we did over that short period, but we do it over the whole year because that's what it's about. It's about saying, come on. Come and see what God has done. Come on. There's a light shining in the darkness and it's for you. I, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I am just going to, because we want to worship together, but I'm just going to read this to finish, because I, I, I just love this little phrase. So in Revelation, the letter to the church in Thyatira, says this, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them, that, that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them into pieces like pottery. I'm not going to try and unpack that, but it's this next little bit, and I will also give them 
the morning star. I will also give that one the morning star. So to the one who is victorious, I'll give the morning star. Do you know what the morning star is? It's the bit when you look at the horizon and the sun rises, a pinprick of light that comes through. That is the morning star. The new day dawning. Wasn't that Jesus? Wasn't that him? That's what we're celebrating. When he, he was born, as a new day dawning. The bright morning star is shining. That is what attracts people. That's all I want to say.